My name is Angela. And my name is Pam. And my name is Edwin. And you are listening to episode three of Dungeons, Dinings, and Dorks. Uh, well, welcome. This is our third episode, and we're kind of excited because we're going to start actually posting them. So, yeah. Greetings, future people. We're glad you're joining us in our show. Thank you for lasting. So far. We hope you stay... We, we hope you stick with us because uh, hopefully we'll start doing some exciting things and you'll want to hear more. Uh, to start off, let's talk about what's happened since we last recorded. Edwin, you were watching... Okay, so last episode that we... Uh, on episode two of Dining's, uh, Dungeons, Dinings, and Dorks. We'll get it right eventually. We were talking about... <laughs> Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Yes. Stranger Things. Season and three in I particular. finally had a chance to binge watch Stranger Things. And, okay, according to um, the internet, you only get two weeks, two weeks before spoilers are allowed. Has it been two weeks? It's been longer than that, I it's think. It's been longer than that, so... Because it came out in do July not year. want... Stranger Things episode uh, season three to be spoiled. Skip ahead a few minutes. Skip ahead a few minutes because cool we're about to spoil a little bit here. Number one, yes, Pam, you're right. It's gruesome, <laughs> especially <laughs> how I walked in on a couple of episodes. Especially how the mind flayer transforms. Yes. Does it make sense why the rats were going for the fertilizer? Yes. Okay. And how in the rats, particularly that one in the cage, just explodes. Yes. And... I walked in on that scene. Angel, you weren't supposed to. <laughs> I know. I regret. I have much regret. Um, it's my favorite... <laughs> season Ooh, is it and it made me want to go back which i did i went all the way back to season one and binge watch season one all the way out to season three again because i didn't really i i didn't really um remember what happened in season two and i started at season three and then i kind of remember what happened with uh, with L, like hiding out with oh Hopper with Hop, and sort of Hop protecting her, yeah, protecting quote unquote her, while everybody thought that she was gone. Uh, okay. Now, while you were watching, there was a particularly favorite episode you had. Oh, <laughs> you were watching. Well, I, mean, I was. Dustin is probably my favorite character in this entire series. Now, now let's let's give our <laughs> listeners a little a little background. Here I am. I'm I'm doing my own thing, completely separate room because I don't do well with gruesome things. And here I've been warned it's gruesome. And all of a sudden, I hear Edwin burst out laughing, <laughs> and then he just keeps laughing harder. And harder. And finally, he's like, Angela, come here. You got to see this. 
now you may tell what you saw it was it was the last episode yeah it, it was on series last, three it was either the last or second to or last second episode. Last. it was a little musical number. nobody okay i feel for the nerds out there when they say that they have a girlfriend and nobody nobody believes <laughs> the guy okay because I remember when I was in junior high and yeah, she's my girlfriend. No, you don't have a girlfriend. You're a nerd. Dustin's still my favorite character in the entire series. Because you can relate to okay. him. I can relate to him. I can relate to him very, very well. Now tell them about the scene you once, had me run down to the TV to watch. Once, I forgot her his girlfriend's name in the Susie. series. Susie. Yes, Susie. <laughs> no, you believed... No believe that real. Susie existed. And remember what he said? He was hotter than... She was hotter than Phoebe Cates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hotter than Phoebe Cates. Nobody believes that, especially if you're a nerd. Right. But when he she finally makes an appearance, she will not give up the information that they need to unlock the vault... Where the keys are for that laser thing that's opening up the the door. And the only way that she'll give up that information was to sing the never ending story story theme. (laughs) That was the best. So here I come down and he's like, Angela, you gotta see this. It's so funny. And he makes me watch this scene. And they start bursting out singing. And here. Edwin's laughing his head off again, and all the characters are like, "Really?" And yeah, yeah, all the characters I, are like, I was, "Are you serious?" I was part of that scene. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, it was cool and all to hear the never-ending story theme, but then when it lasted a good, they sang like the entire. It, it was oh, a good chunk of the episode. Good chunk of the like, good chunk wow, of the song. This is, they're seeing the whole entire theme song. <laughs> but the thing is, it's so I love juxtaposing uh, scenes like that because you have the mind flare like chasing after them on a uh, car. That was that was the demogorgon. Well, the demogorgon. I'm sorry, the demogorgon. Is <laughs> he made chasing that very them. clear to me when you were watching. Yeah, it. <laughs> the demogorgon is chasing them from the mall, and it's supposed to be this very just, you know, like thrilling. And you don't know what's going to happen. And it's just intense. And all of a sudden, the never-ending story comes up. <laughs> I mean, it's so juxtaposing in all terms that it just makes it so, like, it just makes it so hilarious. <laughs> Speaking of mind flayers and demogorgons, I have a new Dungeons & Dragons book. And I'm super excited. Which one is that? Which one is it? Volo's Guide to Monsters. Uh, it has information about mind flayers. That's why I was like, no, that is not a mind flayer. Mind flayers have flappy faces. Yes, they do. There's even a picture in the book of the mind flayer. The D&D version. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it, it gives like the history of the mind, the mind flayers and the different varieties of mind flayers and the mind flayer young and all that. And what you've told me about the monsters and Stranger Things, yeah, it sounds a lot like the the Dungeons and Dragons version of Mind Flayers. Oh, yeah. So are you gonna like 
try to use that in an upcoming campaign. You know, I can't tell you that. <laughs> that would be spoilers to you. Um, but no, I I did look at some monsters. I did find some new things I want to use for um, possibly future encounters. It may be a while before you get to them. Um, also, NPCs that I could use. And, oh gosh, there's there's races that are new to 5e that I've heard about in, in previous uh, iterations of Dungeons & Dragons, and I'm kind of excited to use them. Yeah. Particularly... So what, I have a question, because I've never really delved into Volo's Guide to Monsters. Uh-huh. How does it help with the normal monster manual? Okay, so... Um... In the normal monster manual, you have these monsters. You have a little tidbit about them, but they're just trying to cram as many monsters as they can into it, Yeah, right? it's just a litany of well, monsters that's in there with its stats. What Volo's Guide does is it takes the kind of community monsters or the particularly interesting monsters and kind of gives more structures to where they came from because they could potentially be used as information givers. And this uh. is like... A beholder, yeah, beholders are going to kill you dead as soon as they see you most of the time. There are certain beholders that will mostly see you as bugs or potential uh, minions. So it basically shows you how to play the monsters. Yeah, it's like, like it'll show you how to play a beholder and other clues on like what monsters pair well with beholders, what they might use as minions oh, okay. and or pets or how they see adventurers so you can better fit them into a campaign or like kobold society structures or knoll societies and war bands, things like that so you can structure them better. So if you've got a story that revolves around these monsters, you can use them better and actually have a structure to use rather than having to create create them completely from scratch okay you know, yeah, that makes sense yeah because you know a lot of a lot of um long time players they like to homebrew their campaigns right yeah i've so, homebrewed a lot oh yeah when i when yeah. i made, did my my dming sessions yeah and with with this volo's guide and there's other there are other there's other additional uh reference materials too these give like structure so if you're basing your whole campaign around one type of monster or following one type of monster it'll give you kind of more structure to make that easier for you and if you want to have additional races volo's guide to monsters actually has like four or five additional races that you can use as as player characters okay like the kenku the tabaxi you could you could create a full orc character rather than just a half orc uh and uh something called the goliath and the azamar which that one sounds like an interesting character to play but we'll see what i do with those okay uh pam you were telling me that you've been getting more information about the dark crystal series coming out yes and this is something this is the next binge-worthy show I am, I am gearing up for. So this is supposed the so it's gonna be called the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It's gonna be released in August thirtieth, 
It's going to be 10 episodes on Netflix. And it's, it's, I'm really excited because I'm looking at the cast right now and I'm really excited. It has Mark Hamill, Helena Bonham Carter, uh, Eddie Izzard, Simon Pegg. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's got all of them. They've got some real big names in there. Oh, wow. And I'm just looking at, uh, if you look it up, I mean, it's, it's very beautiful. I've, I've, yeah, I've seen some pictures of it, and I'm really excited because I'm I'm a fan of Dark Crystal, like the movie, and the fact that they're going, they're not making an animated series, they're not making a computer animated series, they're going back to puppets. Yeah, I love Jim Henson puppets. I am super excited about this. It's yeah, if you're a big Jim Henson fan, I I strongly suggest that you check it out when it comes out on August thirtieth. Very exciting. That is very so exciting. So this is supposed to be a sequel to the original Dark Crystals? Uh, I actually it's think a, it's, it's a prequel. Be, yeah, it's prequel. It's a prequel. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm thinking, okay. so I'm thinking it's before before the Crystal Cracking. Okay. Yeah, I have not seen Dark oh, Crystal. <laughs> Maybe oh, I don't, don't give me those looks. Just I'm just I'm not telling you. I'm I, just suggesting that I'm, maybe you should. <laughs> I'm straight up judging right now. Oh, I boy. need to make you watch it. I'm All right. Not, well, I'm at least being nicer than you. <laughs> is there okay, where do I if I were to watch the original the original what where should I, where would I find it? Is it streaming anywhere? You could just ask me. I have the I have a hard okay. copy of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well Pam's got a copy of it, so there I'm taking care of. Yeah. But yeah, definitely if if you haven't seen Dark Crystal yet, definitely look for it. I'm not sure if it's on Hulu or Netflix, but I'm guessing that if if they're gonna be live streaming the series on Netflix, my guess is that they would probably release the movie itself on Netflix. Uh, either pretty close before or very soon after just because people are going to be like Dark Crystal, Dark Crystal, we need more Dark Crystal I need to see the original because that's so awesome and I've got nostalgia and I need to see it now and if you, and if you have other streaming services like Amazon or Hulu check check those out, they might have it too okay alright I guess I have some homework to do you do have some homework but you did some other homework this week you have something to tell us about for uh, OMG, Shut Up and Listen. That is the purpose of this meeting, ladies and gentlemen, for a nationwide campaign by you to demand by law such compulsory education. So I was looking through my feeds, that I do, which I do every morning during work, um, just to see what's going on, with, trying to catch up on... Um, on technology, technology um, happenings, and one of the things that I bumped into Nerd. while <laughs> I was going through my my news feeds is this thing. Apparently, you can make money, and as a career, as a professional dungeon master, there is this. Uh, there is this. Uh, um, article that was posted on the Bloomberg.com where in the Bay Area, uh, a gentleman by the name of Devin Chulik is getting paid $500 as a Dungeons & Dragons is, host. Is that 
like procession or for a campaign. So he does it part time, but it's a thing now apparently. Do you know? Did it note the rate? How much per campaign he charges? Right. Well, this one says um, host games for five hundred dollars. So and it's continue. Okay. So, anyways, so Devin Chulik is getting paid five hundred dollars. I think it's to host a game. And the way that he hosts games is it's not just um, it depends on how how involved it's going to be. Um, he's got you know he can create maps, not just like I'm going to draw on a grid, uh, a visual grid for movement. It's I'm going to put up trees. I'm going to put up terrain. I'm going to put up. Um, actual figures, dragons, NPCs, that sort of thing. It depends on what you're looking for, what kind of campaign you're looking for. He can create it and he can host uh, sessions. And I didn't know that this was a, a like something. I mean, we've played this for fun. Well, I think I think the whole appeal of Dungeons and Dragons have has picked up steam a lot, especially especially with, with Stranger Things yep. and and just D- Dungeons and, G- and Dragons in general. With uh, like comic shops always hosting the games, there's always going to be a lot of people curious about it. And I th- I think with the whole you, everybody being on the internet all the time, especially you know people the kind of people who play Dungeons and Dragons is coming more to light, is becoming less stigmatized. Yeah. Like and and social media, thanks to social media, it, it has made it easier for people to search for groups of any experience yeah. level. But all these all these people who want to play the game, they need someone to to run the game for them and they mostly just want to play with their friends. Their friends don't want to miss out on the fun of being a player. They want to they just want to play. They don't. They need someone to to run the game for them. And you know, if they've got the money, then yeah, why not hire a, a dungeon master who's going to do all the work for you? By the way, Ed, when I'm quitting my day job and becoming a professional dungeon master. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck with sure. that, Angela. <laughs> um, so maybe not right away, but someday. I did find I did find prices here, are like a range of prices. Oh, by the way, that this uh, this you can find this article on Bloomberg.com. It's written by Mary Pylon, just for credit. And uh, what she says here is that you can hire Chulik, for example, to lead an individual beginning beginner campaign, which will set you back three hundred dollars and last up to four hours. For five hundred dollars, he comes. He'll come to your office and run a D and D team building activity. Right? Um, he rents a full studio setup to stream the games. He runs weekly on the gaming platform Twitch, uh, where he has one hundred fifty subscribers who each pay four dollars and ninety nine cents a month. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So this is a thing, and. Um, you know, my hats off to uh, to Chulik here that you know he's making money off D you know D and D, something I would have never imagined that anybody could do, but he managed to 
figure it out. I don't know how I feel about that in terms of like, I mean, when I think of D&D, it's a fun thing to do with your friends. I've never, to make it into like a, like a business. I would do it. Well, yeah, you would do it. I would do it well, 10 if times. It, if it's something that you enjoy and you can make money out of it, I say, why not? If Dude, if, if if it were reasonable for me to actually quit my day job and do that for a living, I totally would. Wow. Yeah, I... Um, Edwin, do you remember how many campaigns I've got myself involved in? Yeah. Half of them I'm dungeon mastering, which reminds me I still gotta work on that other one. Ah, anyway. Although, uh, although I, it does make me wonder if the more you do it, the would it lose its appeal because you view it as more like a job and less as a hobby? I don't know. I mean, you really have to like step up. If you're a really good dungeon master mm-hmm. and... You have like that creative, imaginary mind that you know sets you apart from, let's say, like I'm gonna go to my, you know, local tabletop store and host a dungeon, you know, D and D session, you know, and you're sort of like putting it piecemeal versus I'm gonna put figures, I'm gonna put terrain, I'm gonna put trees, I'm gonna you know, put buildings on there with characters and figures. Yeah, that's that's a lot to do. You've got to have time. passion for that. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll give you that. If if you don't have the passion for it, you're gonna fizzle real fast. Oh yeah, and, I mean it has there, to be interesting. But there is a reason I play a bard. And to be yeah. fair, I mean Dungeons and Dragons, like running it to the whole to the point where you have a map and figurines and like the terrain and everything, those add up. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, they're not cheap. <laughs> no, it isn't cheap. And even, I mean, even if you use the cheapest materials, that's still a lot of time that you need to invest in it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, moving on. Um, we were at French Meadow Bakery, and we got discussing something. And now we're we're mixing things up a little. Pam has a question, so let me tell you a thing. Is that really a thing? Hey, what do you mean by that, Mac? Okay, guys. Um, is there really a difference between natural foods or... And when I say natural foods, I mean like organic compared to non-organic, is there really that big of a difference? In what way? Is it healthier? Is it healthier? Yeah. There's there's some debate on that. Um, there are some who would say that um, some organic foods are less healthy because they are more subject to potential disease, um, potential... Uh, natural failure that happens and in, in things that are allowed to grow as nature would provide. Um, there are some who would say, yes, all natural is the way to go because there is no interference, no chemicals, nothing that could potentially harm your body from adding these things to your food. So I think it, it's really dependent now, when it comes to taste, 
there are some foods where it actually does make a difference. Um, for my own opinion, um, and a little disclaimer here, I actually work for a natural foods co-op. And one of the things that, that I've learned when it comes to organic food is that in some, um, especially produce, right? Produce, if I were to choose between organic or, or conventional produce, especially lettuce, um, bananas, um, well, any, you know. Any perishable. Any perishable, really. If I can, I would go organic. Mainly because the pesticides that are sprayed on conventional um, produce, right? They have, there are studies out there that will, that say that some of those pesticides do go in your body. Now, whether or not, you know, who you believe in terms of like how much was tolerable for you, for your own body, for your own health is up for, you know, it depends on who you are. It's, it's, it's depending on the individual. And, but good rule of thumb is if you can avoid it, I, you, you know, avoid it. And one of the things that are the susceptible to these things are really leafy greens. So we're talking about lettuce, cabbage, um, you know, uh, Plants that, plants that require a lot of water to grow. A lot of water. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, I've noticed was bananas. When I taste a conventional banana, there's this aftertaste that's, when you eat it, it's almost like this subtle bitterness that's in the back of your throat, back of your mouth, that it's not, it doesn't feel like... Um, it definitely feels like it's not part of the banana. It's not part of the taste of the banana. Because when you go, especially, you know, when you go to the Philippines, we know what a banana tastes like. And it's nowhere near what we get here in the, in the United States. The closest one that I can, I can find when, is the organic. The organic ones seem to be more sweeter uh, in taste than the conventional ones. A funny story. I never realized that there was that aftertaste. I had grown up on the conventional bananas and I had never known that there was any difference. Like I'd, I'd grown up with that aftertaste. It's like, oh yeah, that's just banana. That's just banana. And then I marry Edwin and he won't eat conventional bananas. It's like, okay, well, I want to get some bananas. I guess I got to get organic bananas. And I tried it like, holy cow, this actually does taste different. Yeah. When it comes, I mean, when it comes to like packaged foods, organic packaged foods, um, I guess, you know, the people who shop at, at the place, that place that I work at, um, the, there are certain things that are, are no, no. We have, we literally have a list of like ingredients that are banned from our shelves. And one of them is like potassium sorbate. And this can be found in like in in um, sriracha, conventional sriracha, right? 
I don't know exactly what it does. And I think if you ask anybody, you know, a layperson out there what potassium sorbate actually does, they can tell you. And that's actually the key right there where if you don't know what it does, you don't know what that is in the ingredients list in the back. There's a certain level of trust that you have of that company that says, okay, I trust you. This is not going to make me sick. Funny story. Didn't they have a little bit of a rebellion on their hands when they said, sorry, we're not selling Sriracha anymore? Oh, yeah, because the organic Sriracha tastes a little different than the conventional Sriracha. And, yeah, because it doesn't have... And potassium sorbate is a preservative. Right. So it really depends on... You know, I mean, and one thing too is that organic foods tends to be more expensive yeah. than conventional and, foods, and that's the reason why I wanted to ask you if if you think that there if it is really worth the extra dollar to invest in organic foods for for some for some of them absolutely yeah, for some like of them absolutely bananas bananas yes yeah. um, leafy greens eh, that's up to you really because I don't really notice a huge taste difference. Yeah. Um, but I have heard that like fruits and vegetables that have some sort of peel on it, usually the fruit inside is safe. Well, except bananas, because now I know bananas have a different taste. Yeah. But, some people argue on that too. Yeah. But, so. But yeah, it's most conventional, conventional, most conventional vegetables and fruits are going to be perfectly safe. If it's in the freezer section, then yeah, you're probably safe going with the conventional yeah. vegetables because they, yeah, the conventional frozen vegetables and frozen foods, they're usually actually picked a little closer to their freshness, so they're gonna be in pretty good condition and they're gonna taste pretty good. Yeah. There's a certain level of trust you have with the USDA and Department of Health when it comes to food, you know that it's you sort of have to have that trust is that yeah, this stuff is safe to eat and it's. It's it's okay. There's certain. I mean, there's people out there that don't trust that, mm. and if they can't read the ingredients list because there's way too many foreign words in there, they're not gonna eat it. And then you've got people who are allergic to certain things. Celiac people right. are allergic to you know to gluten. Yeah. yeah. So and, and then you know if you're talking about meats, you know the whole free range, cage free those. Those could mean next to nothing if the company yeah. is just going on the very technical definition of those, yeah. the very legal definition. They can say whatever they want on their package if they've got legal definition, but that doesn't mean they're treating their chickens any better or their cattle yeah. any better. But if if you're concerned about how the animals are being treated, by all means, go research the company that's selling yeah. the or, meat. and. Or, or you know what? I'm always a big advocate to shopping local. Yeah. Like Schultz eggs, right? We were talking about this over at over at French Meadow Bakery. Schultz eggs, they're in Owatonna, Minnesota. And I know, you know, for a fact that they are free range chickens. They're like eating what chickens should eat. Yeah, right. eating what chickens should eat. And Schultz eggs taste different from the eggs I get from like you know, from a normal conventional supermarket. Right. And, and on a on a last note of that kind of thing. Brown eggs versus white eggs. The oh, only yes. difference is the color of the chicken. Yes. So on that note, let's move on to um, our 
Food Talk, our review of the restaurant of the week, which is, of course, Fresh Meadow Bakery. But regardless of the style or type of restaurant, they all have one thing in common, and that is the serving of food. It's still fresh, but I'll take only what I need. They've got to last. So yes, we did go to French Meadow Bakery last Saturday and in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. Um, so Pam, you want to talk about French Meadow Bakery? It was yummy. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a clip of it. Uh, we did take our Zoom H6 recorder with us uh, at breakfast time at French Meadow Bakery, and here it is. We are live at French Meadow Bakery on Lindale Avenue, Minneapolis. We are feeling a million bucks today. It's breakfast time this and yeah. I mean, Edwin is a huge fan of this place. And they've remodeled apparently since the last time he was here. At least the back. I mean, did the front look the same? The front looks the same. This whole back area. I was here. I used to hang out a lot in Lingdale and Hennepin when I was in college, so... There's some birch lining one of the walls. It's pretty stylish. So they've, they've got a it's pretty... Busy. Yeah, it's pretty popular destination. 99.30, so yeah. It's breakfast time! Yeah. I love breakfast. You still need to be in bed time. <laughs> you dear. As you can hear, we've got Jeff joining us once again. So this is our first foray into the natural organic world. <laughs> yes. Because they search organic shelled eggs here. They serve okay. vegan stuff here. Gluten-free stuff. Gluten-free. No, I'm going to say gluten-free. Angela, what tea did you get? I got hibiscus rubos, which is, is looks like it's still got time to steep. But it's very pretty. It's, it's served in an oversized mug and it's got, it's rubos, so it's red and hibiscus makes them extra special red. It's very, it does smell amazing. Trying for it to get this special angle without getting. Just right there. That's loose leaf. That's loose leaf tea right there. Um, they have a tea bag full of loose leaf stuff and they're wrapping around. You know, yeah, you know when you're in downtown when they have this size. This is definitely not this lifted tea. Guys, a... I'm gonna actually review a thing. Okay. Okay. Well. All right. So my hibiscus rubus it finished steeping and um, I took a sip. It needed a little sweetener because I I like things sweet. Um, they had some sugar in the raw. Unfortunately, no straight up sugar or honey, but uh, that's just my preference. So I added my sweetener, got it all mixed in. It's actually really, really good. It's a little fruity and it has a little tartness from the hibiscus. And it's such a pretty color. That's just my lipstick. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really tasty. I mean, I could probably let it steep a little bit longer and it wouldn't hurt it, but yeah, it is really good. So you would recommend it to I, those that like herbal teas? I would absolutely recommend it. Cool. Pam, me, got the eggs and salmon, eggs and salmon benedicts with hash browns, and it looks delicious. Everything is so pretty. 
Jeff got the Belgian waffles, and I'm gonna steal a bite. 100% pure maple syrup. Oh, oh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal it. Yeah, that does have a bite. The bison, bison sausage has a bite. And you can see red flakes in it. Woo! You will love it. This tastes a lot like cow sauce. Like what? No. This tastes a lot like because it has like um. It, it's actually a little bit more pepperoni to me. Yeah. Pepperoni is simply like. It's different kind of sausage. <laughs> They're different sausages. But yeah, it's, it's like a very spicy pepperoni. Mm. Okay. Belgian waffles are so good. So what kind of sauce is on it again? Uh, or, uh, raspberry orange sauce. Raspberry orange sauce. With homemade with cream. Now, Jeff and I went to Belgium and tried their waffles. This is very much an American. This is, a very, this is very much an American because these, this does not taste at all like the waffles of Belgium. But I'm not saying that it's not good. It's so good. This one, I see you only eating during breakfast with Belgian waffles. Because this one right here, what this lacks is Belgian waffles, the crispiness on the outside, and still has the same so uh, softness yeah, on the inside. Yeah, they're crispy on the outside, soft on the inside, and then there's a small coating of like sugar granules and, and they're just. And, and they, they, and that's a type of waffle you can eat anytime. It could be a snack. It could be a breakfast yeah, too. We, we went and brought them and then brought them home and three hours later we eat them. So yeah, this you can't take home and just eat anytime. It'll it'll get soggy. All right, let's but, dig but it. Delicious and fluffy, you say? Delicious yeah. and fluffy. It is good. Right. Very good. I think at the end we will give our ratings. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I, I understand. That's the reason why we'll just do it in the end. I've got my Wiggles and Cheryl's. Um, I've only taken one bite, but so far it's actually really good. Thoughts on your pancake? Yeah, they're dense, um, but they are delicious. And you need to use more of your syrup on them, Mister. That's raspberries. That, that's raspberries. That's I see a the big raspberry. That was a big raspberry. Wiggles are quite tasty. That is. Yes, I just stole a strawberry from your pancake. I'll put it back. <laughs> yeah, it, now we know why this has to be dense. To hold up to the fruit? Yeah, if, if it were not dense, the fruit would fall out. The fruit would fall out, you know. Yeah, so the density is correct for what they are. <laughs> I, I actually... I don't mind the denseness in it with the fruit going through it, because there's a lot of fruit in that pancake. There's a lot of fruit in those pancakes, but you no, are going to be so full. I mean, I get why they did it. And I am trying my favorite fruit mm. toast. It's really good. It needs a little hot sauce. I like being spicy. Okay, look, they got you a lot. Can you, can you describe what huevos, what you said, is? Huevos rancheros, um, there are some crispy tortillas, and there's vegetables, there's some pulled pork, an egg, 
Oh my god, this is gonna be black gross. beans. I'm not I'm not a fan of breakfast potholes or whatever. Let's start with that. Okay. But I'll make an exception for that. That is really good. Oh. I think I give what I just ate. Give it a 17. The hash browns are kind of bland. Even for the hash browns, but I love what they did with the with the eggs and salmon. I would give my 13. It's really it because be of the, the densest and not enough, not enough syrup. You guys had a mind for it being not a mature belgian waffle, but yeah, it was pretty good for an American waffle. And the eggs were good. And the icing sauce was good with a bit of a kick. I I think I would probably give mine, my labels nachos, probably a 17 also. But it was it was really tasty, but I did need to add hot sauce for it to it to get that little bit of kick, but it was really good. And then on the coffee aspect, I give that a 20 out of 20. Ooh. Because I thoroughly enjoy my coffee. Hibiscus Rubos. Um, I've had some really awesome herbal teas. This is going to rank pretty high, but I'm, I can only give it about a 15. Because, yeah, I've, I've had some, it's got some stiff competition to live up to. So, yeah, 15 for my herbal tea. Okay, so that was our trip to French Meadow Bakery. As you can tell, we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. Um, and we hope to try out more tasty places as we go on. Um, so that's the story of our trip to the French Meadow Bakery. But now we've got another story for you. An adventure of a D&D character. Now we present the hilarious story of their further adventures. Now, in one of the groups that I play in, I, well, I, I love my bard character. Let's, let's not make any play about that. I love my bard character. She's, she's my favorite. She's curious and she's mischievous and all around fun to play. What's her name? Pepper. Pepper Thistlehedge. In some campaigns, she ends up quite famous, and others, she's still working on getting her name out there. Now, in in one of our groups, uh, she was teamed up with a uh, human ranger, a tiefling rogue, and an elf cleric. Well, the cleric was off minding her own business and taking care of some personal things and the rogue the human and or the tiefling the human and my little pepper were at the tavern you know looking into the adventures that they could have in the town you know making money in the rogues case stealing stuff but there was a conversation overheard from a fellow who was claiming to have a dragon egg. Well, the rogue was the one to hear this, the tiefling rogue. So he comes over and he decides to convince Pepper, hey, there's a guy who's got a 
dragon egg, and he has plans to abuse that poor baby dragon. Luckily, uh, Pepper didn't fully believe him, but there was enough truth in that for her to go look into it. So she went and talked to the person. Oh, yes, I have a dragon egg, he tells her. Well, I've always wanted a dragon of my very own, she says, playing up to the stereotype of a halfling who's supposed to be overly friendly and accepting of other people's. Well, says the stranger who is clearly well-dressed and wealthy, I'm willing to give you this dragon egg if you pull a prank for me. Just a prank? Well, just a prank, of course. I have a business rival, you see. I would like you to go into her personal boat and just pull a plank free or two. Hmm, that doesn't sound too difficult. So Pepper goes back to her companions. Guys, all we gotta do is pull a prank and we can have that dragon egg. I say we just steal the dragon egg, says the tiefling. No, he could have too many guards on it. We should just pull the prank. And I believe the ranger, it was, didn't particularly want anything to do with it. Well, the tiefling and the human decided to argue over whether or not the prank should be played. And Pepper, little mischievous Pepper, she got tired of the argument and decided to wander off on her own. They didn't realize that she had gone off. They were too busy arguing with each other. Well, Pepper then realized she might need a little assistance getting a plank in the side of a ship free. So she goes back in to the arguing human and tiefling and she steals a crowbar from the rogue. That tiefling rogue had no idea she was doing this. As she sneaks back out, they never noticed her. By the time they realized that she had gone, she was already on her way to the dock and sneaking onto the boat. And still they continued arguing over whether or not they should follow her and bring her back. And they got into a fist fight over this. While she continued onto the boat and finding a good place to pull up a plank. Well, eventually, their fighting ended, and the human rogue, or the human ranger decided to go bring her back, while the tiefling rogue was too tired to deal with it and just went to bed. By the time the human rogue, the human ranger, found Pepper, she was already running away from the boat, giggling as she ran, saying, "Go, go, just run, just run." as she's laughing the whole way back to the tavern. The next morning, they go to, to, to collect their reward, and they meet this half-orc who's storming out of the fellow's place of work. Like, I know you had something to do with it. I, ha I know you had something to do with it. It turns out it was her boat that had been sunk. My goodness, if Pepper didn't realize that they had done some, well, she had done something that maybe she should have not done. After all, when you're so very small, 
It's generally a better idea not to mess with a person who's so very large. <laughs> but they had pulled the prank, it was too late to go back, and they acquired their treasure, and off they went. However, the tiefling had other ideas. Thought there was good money to be made. So he went to he went to go and talk to this half orc and hint that he might have information about a prank. What? That dirt bag went off and the half orc storms back to the the uh, employer's place of business and the tiefling realized mistakes had been made and he runs and he finds the halfling and the human and says uh guys we need to go we need to go now what did you do nothing nothing we just got to get out of here what i was taking that no we we just got to go we got to go but my cart i'll pull you push let's go so here they're running out of town the human and the tiefling pushing this pushing and pulling this cart and little pepper clinging to the back of the cart the whole way oh pepper i love pepper i have a feeling that there will be more stories coming with that character oh pepper is nothing but trouble i tell you she's a special kind of trouble though she is a special kind of trouble and i love it well that's our show um We'll have a little bit of Mad Lib Theater for you in a second. Um, but if you want to check out any of our Instagram images from our outings and our adventures, uh, Pam, where can they find those images? They could find images uh, on my Instagram account. Uh, just search for Panda Cat Dragon. And you should be able to see pictures of our outings, pictures of our orders from French Meta Bakery is already up. Excellent. And now we'll give you a little bit of entertainment to finish off this episode for Mad Libs Theater. Hello, everyone. My name is Trina Field. Thanks for joining me in Wild of Africa. We're looking for the amazing animals that live here and... Shh! We are in the presence of a magnificent animal. The giraffe. I've tracked this one for days now, and we have finally caught up with him. Oh, isn't he a handsome fellow? My crew and I have been studying the journals written by curious strawberries who have been studying these creatures for generations, and this one is a fantastic specimen. Of all the puppies on earth, the giraffe is by far the tallest. That one there has got to be about three feet. It's incredible. You can see how its height is made up in large part by its knobby legs and graceful earlobe. Yet scientists have yet to conclude where it obtained its long armpit. It's a little known fact, but giraffes tend to be quite fond of soda. We left some on the ground for this one. See how it's reaching down to get to it? 
it's spreading its fingers as far as they will go, so it can lap it up with that honkin' schnoz, or rather, its nose. Look, our giraffe friend is coming over to our camp. Oh, see those humid ears? They're particularly sensitive to tables. Ours doesn't carry much presence, and yet he's definitely checking it out. Now, scientists suspect that their sense of smell and sight mostly translate to grayish browns. I wonder what grayish brown smells like. Oh, there's another one. We might have a fight on our hands. It looks like this other one wants some of that soda. Watch this. See how our friend is putting up a maroonish fight? He's out there, wielding his hind legs and swinging his head like, a, like it's a sledge car. Oh, it looks like our friend has won this fight. The other giraffe has decided to retreat. When a giraffe runs, it can travel an, at upwards of 30 trees per hour, which outpaces the fastest known sponge by a considerable amount. This has been an amazing day, but our friend here is probably getting tired of us, so we'll leave him with a nice 12-pack of soda and be on our way to meet our next animal friend. Take care, handsome giraffe, and we'll see you all next time. Alright, thanks again for listening to Di Dungeons, Dinings, and Dorks. You can find us at our various uh, Twitter locations. Um, I am at Pleasant Doom. I'm at PandaCatDragon1. And I have a Twitter account now. Yay! Yeah! Um, you can find me as, as Elfios in Twitter. That's E-L-P-H-I-O-S. Elfios. I haven't posted anything, but I have a Twitter account. <laughs> All right, so that's Elfios at... Actually, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. I know we've got our... We are professionals. We swear. We're going to be a legacy podcaster. <laughs> legacy podcaster. Alright. Let's see. Why are you not following me? We'll, we'll figure that out. We'll look for Elfios. We'll give you the at at another time. I suck at this. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Come back next time for Dungeons, Dinings, and Dorks. <laughs>